Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by Allianz Insurance with me, Steph McGovern. Now, in this series, we look at what's happening in the world and how it might impact the insurance industry. We have a slightly different episode for you today because we are live at the Bieber conference and I've managed to grab some time with our guests away from the hubbub of the day. Now, just to remind you, there are plenty of episodes to listen to. We cover everything from underinsurance, sustainability, business resilience, the skills shortage and everything in between. If you want to listen back, you can. Uh, you can get them all online. Now, my guests today are people who can talk about just about anything when it comes to insurance. Uh, so who knows where the conversation might go. So sitting next to me are Colin Holmes, who is CEO of Allianz Holdings UK, Graham Trudgill, who is Executive Director at Bieber, and Mervyn Skeet, Director of General Insurance Policy at the ABI. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Right, I'm going to throw some quick fire questions at you just to kind of warm you up on things. So, Graham, I would come into the conference as Graham, obviously, big Bieber conference today. What are you hoping to get out of it? It's such a great opportunity for the entire industry to get together, over 8,500 people. We're so pleased that everyone comes out, you know, after COVID, they're all back wanting to meet each other, get those relationships you know, sort of reattached after not seeing each other for so long. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, um, it means so much to so many people to, to get here and get together again. Yeah. Tell us a bit about the theme of this conference as well. The theme, well, rising to the challenge. I think that's something that is really important for the industry right now. There's a lot of issues and Bieber and the ABI are working really closely on what are the main challenges. In a hard market, it's difficult to get cover for some risks and it can be expensive if you get it. There's a protection gap, you know, we're, we're trying to fill, bringing new schemes and solutions into the market. That's what Bieber and I guess other trade bodies in the industry are about as well, trying to find out what those challenges are from our members. Because we have a whole manifesto full of about 36 challenges and it's about how can we help? How can we work together to bring those solutions? And I think every year you know, there's so much to do, but we're doing a good job to meet those challenges. And, and for everybody here, they all have their own challenges. So yeah, as an industry, working together to do that. Yeah, we'll come back to some of those challenges and opportunities as well throughout this. Uh, what does rising to the challenge mean to you, Colm? Yeah, I think it's the challenges that the UK is facing right now. I mean, 2022 is a really tough year. You had inflation, three prime ministers, a couple of dozen chancellors. I don't know how many I lost count. <laughs> the interest rates shooting up fairly quickly. So 12 in a row. At the same time, you had zero unemployment. No, they don't normally go together. It's normally the opposite. So, you know, it's been a really tough year for the industry. It's been a really tough year for the UK's reputation in Europe and working for the largest global insurer in the world, which is German, they kind of struggle, they scratch their head a little bit. Is it Brexit? Is it, you know, why is it so bad in the UK versus Europe? So it's been a really tough year. So for me, rising to the challenges is bad. You can't change what's gone on before, but what we can do is move on from this. Certainly, there is great opportunity. There's great opportunity in Brexit. There's great opportunity in the UK. We know that. Mm -hmm. And we just got to get things balanced again, get them settled and get back to doing what the UK is really good at. It's, you know, this is a country that invents so many things in the world. It's, you know, discovered it was the great explorers of the world came from the UK. There's a massive opportunity that needs to be focused on and we need to move on from the petty squabbles that is politics in the UK at the moment yeah. and move towards a focus on building a better society first and foremost and from that you'll get a better economy I believe so to me rising to the challenge is about dealing with the problems we have right now and moving on from them and creating opportunity for people. 
Yeah. Mervyn, what does rising to the challenge mean for you? To me, it's about focusing on the customer. I think that goes across the whole industry and trying to make sure, particularly in a cost of living crisis, that the customer gets what they're they're looking for, whether it be on price or on coverage, and trying to help the customer to understand what insurance is really all about. Yeah, Uh, really important. So let's start with looking at what the challenges are in terms of, you know, you've all mentioned some of them. So, Graham, what what do you think are the kind of top three challenges for the insurance sector at the moment? Out of the 36 in a manifesto, regulation is definitely one. Because the cost of regulation has gone up about 20% in the last three years. We're now the most expensive in Europe. Our members are having to employ more staff, sort of take staff off the front line, servicing customers to make sure everything is right for the regulator. So the cost and the effort and the resource for regulation certainly is a big challenge. There's been a lot of new rules come out in the last year or so, which is good. We want a well-regulated, stable, respected industry. Our products are sold on trust. In that it's not like a tangible car that someone's buying. It's the belief that if something happens, we will support them and help them in that claim. So getting that balance and regulation is a big one for us. And there's a bill going through Parliament, the Financial Services and Markets Bill, which we're very involved. And it's been interesting to hear from Treasury and some former chancellors today about we all want to have that growth and competitiveness objectives. That's a really important challenge for us. The second one, I would say, is probably the cost of living crisis, because people can't necessarily afford the insurance that they perhaps need. So maybe a small business is cutting back on its business interruption indemnity period, or it's some insured, or a consumer is cutting out some accidental damage cover from the home insurance, or whatever it might be. There's lots of research from Bieber and others in the industry where we're seeing people cutting back. And when they cut back, that brings under insurance risk. And then if the worst does happen and they have a claim, then that's going to be really difficult conversations to have with them. The hard market we've spoken about, insurance is harder to come by. It's a continuing challenge, whether it be professional indemnity insurance or certain buildings insurances, you know, they're hard. But I think something that affects everybody right now is talent. We've got Young Broker Day here tomorrow at the Bieber Conference and we've got 222 people, which is really exciting. 50 from a local college coming in. And how can we get people into the industry trained up and enjoy the great industry that this is? Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, when you're at school, it's, you know, going into the insurance sector is not something you're going to be told about, really. And unless you've got relatives in it and things, it's, I imagine quite a lot of people end up in it accidentally. That's what most people say. One of my grandfathers was in the insurance industry, so I guess I had a little bit of interest there. But at the end of the day, it's a fabulous industry because you can come in on the, say, you're on the sales side, but then you can go onto the claims side, which is fascinating, the underwriting side. Uh, you can move into management. You can become a director, go to the HR, comms. You know, in a broker or an insurer, they have all sorts of departments and interesting areas where you could work. So I think we've got a great story to tell, and it's all about risk, um, you know, which is an, an exciting subject. And itself so we've just got to do more to to sell ourselves i think yeah colin what's it like then in terms of being a boss of alliance and making sure you guys are getting the right skills coming through it's a very positive thing i love the apprenticeship programs that have been set up and i think there's a realization that for too long it was just too easy to say college graduates only or must have this in reality you don't need that and you're absolutely correct traditionally people fell into insurance rather than walked into but i fell into insurance as in investment banking i was happily doing some something entirely different. But what I've realized, it's a fantastic industry. It's an industry where when people are at their lowest and potentially need support, you get to help people. And we can attract young people out of school, young people from college into this industry. There's a huge amount of talent out there. And nothing gives me greater joy than seeing young people and you can support them and mentor them and see them coming through and realizing that 
the opportunities within the organization, the amount of different jobs there are within insurance and claims, underwriting, HR, finance, you know, you name it, it's there. And geographically, if you work for Allianz, you can, you know, I think we're in 100 plus countries and we desperately encourage our people to travel. So they get that international experience. I mean, these are opportunities that very few industries can offer somebody. We always had a lot of actuaries, but data and analytics, we were probably one of the greatest users of data in the world, automation, artificial intelligence, machine learning. These are all central to how you underwrite risk and insurance. So the opportunities for young people are there. I would say we need to do a much better job of attracting the right talent into the right positions and not be lazy about just saying, you know, Let's go to the graduate mill grounds and try and find ourselves 20 graduates, yeah. some of whom these days unfortunately show up and say, what can you do for me? Well, Rather than what I can I do, you know, how can I help myself? And we take young kids and, and the apprentice programs and the attitude they have, the effort, the hard work. I would strongly encourage anybody who's not using these kids, give them the chance. They're fantastic. Yeah. Their energy their attitude, their positiveness, because everything else we can teach you the technical things. We can't teach people to be good, solid human beings who care and who want to take it on themselves. Mervyn, I imagine this is something your members talk to you a lot about, is the future of the industry and the skill shortage. What are your thoughts on it? I agree that we can't just rely on graduates, that's for sure. I think we need to do more in schools. We need to make sure that insurance is seen as something that is a good industry to go into. So risk management is actually quite an exciting area once you start thinking about it, but we don't tell children that. We don't go in and teach children at GCSEs or A-levels or anything like that how risk management might work. There's no such thing as I know of as a risk management GCSE. Why shouldn't there be? So making insurance more exciting at that level to give them a chance to think about it as a career. So it's about trying to find the skill sets that work within the industry. You don't have to be an underwriter to enjoy working in the industry. Yeah, it's really important. Just picking up on what, Graeme, you were saying about the cost of living crisis and that being one of the big challenges. What are you going to do about it? You know, nothing's changing at the moment. We're seeing interest rates, as uh, Colin was explaining, still going up. And there is a danger of underinsurance, isn't there? What can the industry do about it? Several things. We've got brokers bringing out new products all of the time, new innovations, some low cost products to make sure that they've got some cover is better than no cover rather than have no insurance at all. But we've had a really good partnership with Allianz. We together produced a new underinsurance guide that our brokers can use to talk through with their clients. So the client understands that actually if they're online, they can't just decide not to disclose something because it's cheaper not to disclose a previous claim or something because that means your insurance is effectively not going to help you because it's not a valid claim. So for us, there's a lot of education our brokers can do with the clients to understand what are the needs to have, think about indexation, think about how you might want to have a valuation done on property, particularly with a level of inflation that we're seeing. So I think under insurance is really an important subject. So we're really grateful to work with the Allianz team on the new guide. At Bieber, we want to help give our members the tools with these new guides, whether it be the under insurance one or the cost of living one, so that the brokers out there all around, they can help those local businesses make sure they navigate this difficult crisis. Oh, that's good to hear for everyone. Mervyn, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, mean, I think we need to think about the expectation gap. There is a real gap between what customers are expecting from their policy and what they're getting. So we need to work on that. We need to get get better explaining what the insurance is covering, what the coverage is, what the words are. The ABI did some stuff with uh, Fairer Finance recently to try and get some better information and better communications to make sure that policies actually are fairly plain and easy to understand so that people understand what they're buying and why they're buying it. And we need to move away a little bit from price. That's really hard in the cost of living crisis. But if price is the only thing driving coverage, that makes it very, very hard to sell the right level of insurance. 
Yeah, that must be tricky, Colin, that kind of, there's often like a race to the bottom when it comes to people buying insurance, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And look, it's getting the balance right. I mean, the underinsurance is a serious issue because people think they have sufficient cover and find out they don't. At some level, you're seeing it in the personal insurance as well, where essential products or stripped down products are increasingly the order of the day because that's all people can afford. And because when you had price walking, which I think everybody agrees was right, you can't do it. But when you had price walking, people who shopped around, which are typically young people or people economically challenged, would shop around and they're price was heavily discounted and people like me who were kind of lazy and not price sensitive overpaid for insurance. So it was a distribution of wealth between people who could afford it and people who couldn't. So as a result of you know the changes, what you're seeing is young people and people who are struggling in a cost of living crisis are struggling to pay for insurance. Now to me, we've got to do something about that. And if that means stripped down products or products that are affordable to them, that allows a young kid to be able to drive to his first job, we've got to do that, right? We, you know, we do have a social purpose. That's important. I think for corporates, I think the role of the brokers is critical because the broker is an advisor. They're, they're risk managers increasingly, and their job is to help their customers understand the risks they have and the protections they don't have because there's, of course, affordability issues come into play, and you can only afford what you can afford. It doesn't matter. People tell you you need more cover or you need extra covers. If you don't have the money, you don't have the money. So, you know, I think it's incumbent upon all of us, brokers, insurers and the government to look at these issues. And, you know, when you look at IPT, which keeps going up, I mean, one of the biggest takers out of the insurance premium we receive is the government and taxes. Mm And you need to look at each piece of it if you want to make it cheaper. And to me, it's incumbent upon everybody to contribute to how do we provide products that our customers want and that they can afford. Because it's not good enough that it's just a product that Mm. fits what somebody else thinks is good enough. It's got to be affordable. I guess as well, Mervyn, inflation's a big issue here in terms of being underinsured. If everything keeps going up in price, that must be a big problem. It is, yeah, it's a real challenge. It's a challenge for carriers as well because inflation impacts carriers as well. So if you're thinking about paying claims, and sometimes I think we ought to go back to the kind of old maxim that the premiums of the many pay for the claims of the few. And that's a really important part of insurance. It's diversification of the risk. What that means is that you've got to think carefully about how the policy comes together and what that means. You know, we've seen, you know, prices go up in terms of repair costs, in energy costs and, and everything else, which means that when a claim happens, that claim is a higher amount of expense to the insurer. So there's kind of that difficult position where on the one hand, you've got customers who may not be able to afford their policy, but you've got the companies who are also having to pay additional amount for the claims. And so customers can't afford, but companies are not making profits on that type of business. So there's a gap in the middle there somewhere, which doesn't make a great deal of sense, but that's where we are. Just add to that, I mean, inflation might be running at 13, 14%, but if you look at damage inflation on vehicles, it's running in the mid to high 20s because second-hand car prices are incredibly expensive because there's no microchips, there's no new cars. So second-hand cars are more expensive than new cars at the moment. If you want to buy a one-year-old car, it'll be more expensive than buying a new one. Similarly, if you want to get parts, you can't get parts delivered on time. Some of that is the impact of Ukraine war, the invasion by Russia, but parts are taking longer, which means if you damage your vehicle, we've got to rent a car for longer. So you're seeing inflation in the high 20%, close to 30% in the motor segment. So it's much greater than the actual headline rate of inflation because of that, because supply chains are so badly impacted. And as you say, that all feeds into what we're seeing, which is very dramatic increases in people's renewal premiums this year. We don't want to increase 
people's premiums, right? Because A, they shop around and that's expensive for everybody, the administration costs. B, you just don't want to do it. You know people are struggling. You know, we've done a lot for our own people in terms of the cost of living crisis and we brought forward pay increases, individual payments and a bunch of other things we've done. But the reality is you have to cover the cost of the claims. And when they're running at 25 plus percent for motor, and then you have bad weather, you had subsidence in the summer, you had the freeze event in December, you had the worst rain in February last year, it, it, it adds up. And as you say, you get years like that. Hopefully, we will see them starting to come down towards the end of this year into next year. Should we talk about opportunities then? Because that is quite a bleak picture in terms of you know where we're at, at the moment. Graham, what are your thoughts on where the opportunities are going to come from in the sector? What we've been saying about this constant flow of new heavy-going regulation, um, I think Treasury have got that now, and that we're going to get a better balance. And we all want a bit more stability in the industry. So I think that's uh, something we can look forward to. I think the challenges in the hard market and the particularly difficult uh, area that Cole mentioned about um, multi-occupancy residential buildings. I think the schemes that the ABI and Bieber have worked on together and some of the solutions, they will be coming forward this year and that will be great news and hopefully we can get more buildings remediated and made safer soon. So I think that's uh, an opportunity. I think on the employment side that we've talked about quite a bit today, I think it's um, about how do we make insurance broking in insurance as an industry more of a destination industry. And rather than do the same old, same old, let's do something completely different. Let's go to social media and use some influencers and let's try and get uh, a new generation of people in uh, to come and, and be part of the industry. And at Bieber, we have many, many committees and advisory boards, and we want to make sure that they're as diverse as possible and we've got more younger people coming through and in fact we've been doing that the last couple of years and a lot of the people on our, our committees and boards uh, and our, our regions, uh, some of our, our, our regional chairs are now young brokers uh, and it's great to see uh, that coming through. So we hope this talent crisis uh, that, that we've had um, can be resolved as the young people we've got heading up some of these committees and regions uh, are appealing to more young people and they're holding young broker events around the country and um, so I, I'm really optimistic that um, whether it be regulation or hard market or or talent challenges we're actually all working together to bring these solutions forward and make progress and I, and I think we are and it takes a little bit of time sometimes but I think we're getting there. Yeah. You mentioned uh, right at the beginning Colm about Brexit and the opportunities yeah. from that do you want to tell us a bit more about what you think? Yeah, yeah, it, it, and I completely agree with what you said I think look you, you look at what can be achieved when the brokers, insurers and government, DLUC and the FCA work together in terms of how do we deal with the issue of residential uh, high-rise buildings insurance. And I think the outcome has generally been good. I mean, when I look at Brexit, I mean, Brexit is Brexit. Everybody has different views. Was it a good idea or a bad idea? But it's happened. But I do think there's a great opportunity to think about what is it we need to be. And But I do think, even though Brexit has happened, it's amazing that we still tend to think about it as though it hasn't. Because there is great opportunities. I mean, we know what a fantastic country the UK is when it puts its mind to innovation and invention. I was watching some programs on the news this morning about hydrogen cells and yeah, how do you harvest that? And a lot of these programs were started in the UK and the UK led in them and then lost it kind of to call it to the US. So, yeah, I think there's an opportunity to get the investment right in the right areas. 
uh, get the investment right in education to ensure that we're creating the leaders of the future and get the investment right in new technologies and new areas of you know, artificial intelligence. I think there's a massive opportunity. I don't worry about young kids coming out of school because I think they're going to have the greatest of opportunities. It's going to be much more interesting. Work is going to be much less. You must show up at this time, clock in and clock out. But rather, it'll work the way you want to live your life, to allow you to raise children, care for family, and still have a career. That can only be a good thing. Mervyn, what about you? What are your thoughts on opportunities? I think the important thing is for the industry to work together, so across the whole industry, looking at the various risks we have. The one that comes to mind is cyber. And I think we have a really good opportunity right now for us as industry to come together and really find a solution to some of the cyber issues. So raise some of the awareness with small and medium-sized enterprises who don't really understand what they're being covered for or what they should be covered for or what their systems are doing or how their systems are working. There's a real opportunity for us to do that. There's an opportunity perhaps at the top end of the market to work with government around you know, systemic risk around cyber. So I think it's, now's the time for us, for brokers, insurers, and every, all the associations as well to come together and find a solution for that and trying to, to have some discussions around that. And we at the ABI are trying to pull together an industry panel to start looking at that, to start thinking about how we take that forward. Yeah, do you think artificial intelligence then is going to play a part in the sector? I spent some time with ChatGPT just understanding it. Yeah. And it has the potential to eliminate the need for pretty much most of the people in insurance. Providing all access is freely available, and there is, which it won't be, and it'll be regulated. Yeah. But if you took out all those restrictions and you had every piece of data, I mean, think about your watch, what it records, your phone, your Facebook, your television, now your fridge and your cooker tent send messages around. All that data is there. So if you can collect that data and extract that data, you could underwrite a risk by knowing every other risk that's ever been written anywhere in the world. And you can analyze that person's taste, everything about them to underwrite that risk. There's no, you don't need people to underwrite that because the machine will be infinitely better. Now, there is issues around privacy of data and control of data, but the potential of things like ChatGPT is phenomenal in what it can do. Uh, I believe all this needs to be regulated and controlled so we don't end up in Terminator where the machines go, <laughs> what's the point of column? He's not adding any value. Because the logical solution will be, oh, we'll just, you know, we need to get rid of him, surely. It's, uh, yeah. But it, the, the potential in insurance is massive, where the industry is based around analysis of data. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, it, the way you're painting it, it sounds like that you think that's a good thing. There might be some people who are a bit scared by the notion of, you know, the, the artificial intelligence being able to sure. do underwriting and assessing risk and everything else. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure the guy who worked in the telegram shop probably wasn't too thrilled yeah. when faxes and phones yeah. came in. And yeah. the, the reality is, it's certainly in my, I've been working with it for 30 odd years, that the, the amount of changes people said, computers, the internet, and yet you can't get a job. So I think the, how we spend our time will differ. We'll spend less time probably in work and more time socialising, more time with friends and family. That can't be a bad thing, surely. And as long as you create sufficient wealth and can create sufficient food, etc., that people can live that life and have a home, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I don't think not working five days a week should be seen as a disaster. If you harness it and use it wisely, it can be a very good thing. If you harness it and use it badly, it can be incredibly destructive. And like, I'd like to think that at the end, we tend to find the right way. What do you guys think is going to be the big disruptor, Mervyn? Have you thought about this? 
at some point, we're going to get to a scenario where we can analyse all the data and we can use the data in a way that gets better risk management, better information, better ways of doing things. I don't think we're quite there yet, but that will happen. If you'd asked that question 10 years ago, the answer would have probably been data as well. And so that's a bit of a challenge, but it probably will be data because the more data you can use, the better decisions you can make. And if you do have artificial intelligence to help you do that, that's going to happen a lot quicker. Personally, I don't think underwriters will ever be completely obsolete. But, um, I think they'll always need some human interaction, but the amount of capacity and capability they'll have at their desks to do that underwriting will be phenomenal in compared to where we are today. Graham. The data and AI, we've got brokers using it right now, using it for underwriting schemes, for example, and they've been able to increase their profitability quite significantly so they can invest in other areas, they can be more competitive with their rates. So the AI is actually quite useful and I think we're going to see more of it. I guess the question is, is it going to be Terminator 1 with bad Arnie or Terminator 2 with good Arnie? <laughs> and, um, and that's what I think Elon Musk was talking about recently, you know, making sure, there's, and as Mervyn said, the, the controls are in place and we're channeling things in the right direction and there's not losers out of this because there is going to be the person in the, you know, in the, with the bad risk that's not quite as attractive to the AI and... We want to make sure there's brokers there that can help them and can look after them if they're not seemingly as attractive as a homogenous risk like everybody else. So there will always be insurance brokers there to help every type of risk. And I know with all the data, people see this changing a lot. But at the end of the day, you need experts, professionals to help these people get any type of risk covered. And that's what we'll do. I'm conscious that we're running out of time. So just to wrap things up, can you tell me what your thoughts are and what you think brokers need to focus on in the kind of next few years ahead? Look, the the value of brokers hasn't changed, which is they're an advisor. And I think insurance companies, maybe it's the language needs to change. What we do is help people manage risk. I think brokers need to continue to work with their customers, understand what are the risks that their customers are facing, corporates or individuals, and then working with insurers to develop what are the solutions to help them protect against one-off events that can be catastrophic, but have a low probability of happening and ensuring we create those solutions. And I think if we do that, then you create what's necessary as opposed to, uh, traditionally it has tended to be you created a product and then try and flog it, but rather than look and say, you know, what does the actual customer need and how do I create a risk solution to that? And that might well be, you know, build the wall so that the water doesn't come into your front door or it might be put a better roof in your house or, you know, take the tree that's going to fall in your house out of the way. So it's risk management as much as it's just replacement and, and restoration. And I think that's the value of brokers and they should continue to focus on that. And it's looking at that protection gap. If you look at the Turkey earthquake, I mean, terrible loss of life. And on the financial side, £20 billion cost, £1 billion was insured. So there's a huge protection gap, not just on big international issues, but on things like cyber insurance here in the UK, where only 5% of SMEs have a standalone cyber insurance policy. So huge exposures there. So great opportunities for brokers to help businesses, to help consumers cover those risks, make sure they're demonstrating that fair value and, and people appreciate they're, they're not just a post box ranging insurance, they are adding that risk management value that is so important to help that business. So I think brokers are good at that. I think they should keep doing what they're doing, but do more and look more widely at where are those gaps, what new products can we bring forward and how can we help people that way?
Mervyn Fallow, words with you? Yeah, I, I think it's working together. I really do. I think it's brokers, carriers, the whole industry working together because honestly, outside the industry, people don't care whether they're dealing with a broker, an insurer, you know, a price comparison website. They, they just don't care. It's the industry. So if we can work together as an industry and have that seamless risk management process as Com's talking about, that's what will be really, really important. So it, it's crucial that everyone works together. Excellent. And with that thought, let's bring this episode to a close. Many thanks to Colm, Graham and Mervyn for joining me today. Uh, Please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app and then you will never miss an episode. Also, we would love it if you left a review too. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. That's it for me, Steph McGovern and Alliance Insurance. Bye-bye.